Last year, the Orioles tried and failed to draft Florida outfielder Judd Fabian. But this time around, the O's scooped him up with the 67th overall pick. And we'll learn more about Judd and what he can bring to the Orioles system. Plus, a little bit of Orioles news and notes concerning the signing bonus of their top overall pick, Jackson Holiday, And we'll preview the start of the second half. Orioles and Yankees coming up at Camden Yards. And that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to learn more about another Orioles draft pick. It's the Florida outfielder Judd Fabian, who the O's selected with the 67th overall pick back on Sunday night in the 22 MLB draft. And joining us to talk about Judd Fabian will be Jeff Cardozo. He is the radio broadcaster for Florida Gators baseball, also played for the Gators in the late 90s and early 2000s. He's going to join us to tell us all about Judd Fabian's time with Florida, his struggles in 2021, him being able to make some changes for 2022, and what eventually got him to the Orioles. And we'll also here on the top talk a little O's news and notes and get you ready for baseball to be back at Camden Yards after the All-Star break. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get to it, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Remember, We are the only pod out there bringing you O's content daily, Monday through Friday, five days a week. There's a new episode. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to pods. If you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those apps, it really helps a lot. And of course, we're right here on YouTube. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Like and comment on the videos as well. It really, really helps out the pod, and we thank you all who've done that already, and tell your friends, you know, this is the time, second half is starting, the Orioles are a 500 team, coming off a great draft, trade deadline's coming up, tell everybody you know who likes the Orioles, check out the Locked on Orioles podcast, and we thank you again for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's start with some Jackson Holiday news, of course, the Orioles took Holiday with the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft on Sunday. And as I'm recording this here uh, early Thursday evening, John Heyman reporting that the Orioles have come to an official agreement with Jackson Holiday. Now, it looks like Penn has been put to paper. We don't know an exact number, but he said Holiday's signing bonus is going to be just above what Drew Jones was given by the Arizona Diamondbacks as Jones went second in the draft. Now, we do know that Jones got $8.175 million. So you can pretty much assume Jackson Holiday is going to get right around, it looks like, $8.2 million is his signing bonus, which is a new record for a high school player, but it is a little under the slot value. The slot value for this year's number one pick was $8.84 million. So it seems like the Orioles are going to save probably around $600,000 with Jackson Holiday, and it still wasn't under slot pick because, as you can tell, 
Drew Jones signed for the same amount of money. So the Orioles just took who they thought was the best player available, and that was Jackson Holiday. But they had some money to spread out. And I'm assuming some of that money will go to Zach Showalter, the high school pitcher the Orioles took in the 11th round. They'll try to give out some of that money to Carter Young and a couple of the guys that they took on day three, trying to get them to sign as well. So we will see there also be other places where they maybe save 50, 100, $200,000 as well. So the whole draft class is going to start to, to play out in terms of signings, but we do have our first number that we know in Jackson Holiday looks like right about $8.2 million. But as we flip from Jackson Holiday back to the Major League team, of course, the Orioles are back in action tonight, opening up a three-game series at Oriole Park against the New York Yankees to open up the, quote, second half of the season. And, you know, this second half schedule, it's tough for the O's. And it might be important to temper expectations because, yes, the Orioles had a 10-game winning streak shortly before the break. Yes, they went into the All-Star break at 546 and 46. But they already played a top 10 hardest schedule in baseball in the first half. They're going to play most likely the hardest schedule in all of baseball in the second half. They've still got two series against the Yankees. They've got two series against the Rays. They've still got 12 games against the Red Sox. They've still got 15 games against the Blue Jays. They've got seven games against the Astros coming up in the second half. Things are not going to get any easier for the Orioles, and it opens up with three games against the team with the best record in baseball in the New York Yankees. Now, I will say, the O's might have a little advantage in this series because you know, some teams did play on Thursday. Now, the Orioles did not, but some teams got back to playing on Thursday. And the Yankees were one of those teams. And not only did they play, they actually played a doubleheader against the Astros on Thursday. So while the Orioles pitching staff, and specifically the bullpen, has not had to work since Sunday, the Yankees had to pitch two games on Thursday. So, yeah, they could be a little tired bullpen-wise, for the Friday game. Now, as I'm recording this, game one is over. The Astros walked it off against the Yankees 3-2 in the bottom of the ninth. So Yankees 64-29 and at the time of this recording. They'll either maybe have 65 wins or still be at 64 when they come into Baltimore. But the three-game series does look like this. And I know many of you are asking, why is D.L. Hall not starting one of these games? Well, even if the Orioles are planning to bring up D.L. Hall pretty much immediately here to start the second half because he's just been absolutely dominating AAA over the past month, this really wouldn't have been the series to bring him up for really two reasons. The first reason is you get to set your rotation to start the second half. You know, the O's had four days off. You can set up your rotation any way you want. So this maybe isn't the most ideal time to bring up a prospect in D.L. Hall who if the Orioles think he's as good as he can be, you know, might be the best starting pitcher you have healthy in the organization right now. But if you can set up your rotation, you're going to do that and get your best guys the most innings. So it's going to be Tyler Wells Friday, Jordan Lyle Saturday, and Dean Kramer Sunday. And the other reason that D.L. Hall maybe doesn't come up for this Yankees series is, well, the Yankees have a bunch of huge right-handers. I don't know if I want D.L. Hall's first major league start to be against... Judge, Stanton, LeMahieu, and all these big right-handed hitters that just mash lefties. The Orioles have done a pretty good job in, in trying to bring up their prospects in better situations, you know, lower leverage spots, better matchups. And I will say, the Tampa Bay Rays come into town next for a four-game series starting on Monday. The Rays have more lefties in the lineup, 
and the Rays are very injured. That lineup is looking pretty rough right now, and I know they just took two of three from the Orioles before the All-Star break, but it was because of the pitching. Their lineup does not look good. I think that could be, during that four-game series, a pretty key time to give D.L. Hall his Major League debut. But again, Friday through Sunday, Orioles and Yankees, the Friday night game. Jamison Tyone takes on Tyler Wells in the pitching matchup. Saturday, it's Garrett Cole versus Jordan Lyles. And Sunday, Nestor Cortez and Dean Kramer. So we've got Major League Baseball back, Orioles and Yankees, as the O's at 500 start the second half of the season. But we still want to cover the draft here on the podcast. And today, we're taking a look at the fourth player that the Orioles selected in this year's draft. That is Judd Fabian, the outfielder out of Florida, who was really an interesting story. You know, went into the 2021 college season as, you know, in play as a top 10 pick in last year's draft and was certainly in play for the Orioles with the number five pick last year. But he had a really disappointing 2021 season at Florida. He fell out of the first round, but the Orioles apparently had a deal with Fabian. They were going to take him with the 41st pick, and they were going to give him $3 million to sign him over slot to get him to leave college and come to the Orioles. But the Red Sox, one pick earlier, pick number 40, drafted Fabian. Fabian did not work out a deal with the Red Sox, and he went back to Florida for another year, and it definitely helped his draft stock. Fabian was able to cut down on the strikeout rate a bit. He upped his slugging percentage, his on-base percentage, his OPS. He walked more. He struck out less. He hit 24 home runs. That number went up. Pretty much every number except for his true batting average, which dropped a little bit, went up in his 2022 season. And this time, the Orioles scooped him up with the 67th pick. And to learn more about Fabian and what he can bring to the Orioles system, we're going to be joined by Jeff Cardozo. He is the radio broadcaster for Florida Gators baseball, also pitched for the Gators in the late 90s and early 2000s. He's going to join us to tell us all about Fabian, his roller coaster ride at Florida, and how good he can be if the Orioles can unlock kind of the peak Judd Fabian in the outfield and at the plate. But first, got to tell you about LinkedIn. Because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And they've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so we continue our Orioles 2022 MLB Draft Profile Series as Jeff Cardozo joins us. He was part of the Florida Gators baseball radio broadcast, and he is here to talk about Judd Fabian, who the Orioles took 67th overall in the draft this year. And Jeff, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, actually, my uh, my dad grew up in Miami, so a, a huge Orioles fan. So uh I got some uh, some some hats back in the day of the Orioles, so good stuff. Yes, you can you can certainly break them out now that uh, Judd is <laughs> is in the organization. Right. So here, here's my first question. You know, Judd Fabian, you know, back in 
I guess the fall of 2020. I mean, Orioles fans, the, the O's had the fifth pick in 2021. And the Orioles fans were already targeting Judd Fabian as, you know, that could be the guy at number five. I know his 2021 season didn't go as planned. He basically got better in every sense of the game in 2022. How did you see that development play out for him to come back to school and and bet on himself? And, and you know, in some sense, it did work. Yeah, and, and it's hard to fathom that he turned down that amount of money, but um, you, you had a couple of different situations. I think he knew he was a better player than uh, what he showed that year. And then his little brother was coming in to, to be a freshman on the team. So you have a really unique opportunity to, to have that chance to play with him. And I, I just think that knowing him as well as I do, that he always said, man, that's not me at the plate. I, I can get better. I can show more discipline. Obviously, I showed some power and did a lot of different things, but the strikeouts were a lot. And even though he showed a, a few weeks of that, I think even in this past season, I think you look about probably 80% of this past year was the Judd Fabian that I'm sure Oriole fans hope to get. And that's one that, that plays really, really hard, has lots of pop, and, and can be a big advantage to your offense. Did you ever talk to him about specific approach changes? Because from going from a guy in 2021 who the, the big knock was, he just struck out too much, to walk 62 times in 66 games, I mean, that that was impressive. But what kind of changed in that approach to, to be able to – just be, be one of the hitters in the SEC who had one of the, turned out to have one of the best batter's eyes this spring. Yeah, it was just really about discipline. Um, you know, and I think, you know, Judd's a really interesting kid. I mean, this is a kid that skipped his senior year of high school. So didn't even get a prom. He comes in, he starts playing, and all of a sudden, boom, he's starting in the SEC as a 17-year-old. And, you know, I think it was obviously really big, but he handled it well. And then once people realized how to pitch to him, well, then obviously they did that. And, and he started struggling a little bit. But I think you know that he's such a good player and, and he wanted to just be the guy that was able to show that. And I think that's what it was really all about. It wasn't, it, it was chasing so many high pitches, pitches out of the zone that when he did that in 2021, that I, that's not me. And you could really see the difference. I mean, there was a lot of at-bats where, gosh, I even said it on the air doing the play-by-play. I was like, last year, Judd strikes out on that pitch. And and so that was kind of cool. So, and, and obviously, you know, the, the more he sees live pitching and certainly at that level, I mean, you're still talking about such a really young kid. So a few few years from now, imagine just the leap from one year to, to the next, what, what he can be. Yeah, you know, four, four college seasons, and he's still only 21 years old because he, he talks yeah. about coming to school early. The one thing that's never been a question in his game is the power. And, you know, 20 home runs in 2021, 24 homers this season. You know, how impressive was the power really from the moment – he stepped onto campus and I know he only hit seven home runs that freshman year, but you could tell the power was in that bat. Yeah. I mean, that's seven as a 17 year old, basically against the, the best league in the country. So, um, I mean, you could see that it was there and, and he had the opportunity to be there and, and, you know, it didn't surprise me going into that 2021 year when basically everybody says he should be the SEC player of the year. Gosh, he could be number one overall pick. He talked about five. So, um, so, yeah, it just it was always there. Um, and it's just it's easy. And, and it's a guy with just really quick hands, really good bat speed. Um, and, and the power is the other way, too. And, and that's when I think he's at his best. And I think when you saw some of the struggles of 2021, he was just trying to pull everything and really just hit balls out of the stadium. And then this past year, he went through a stretch probably of about three weeks when everything was the right center. And I mean, he, he one handed a ball out of the ballpark. So that, that power is always there. And, you know, obviously uh, when the O's get him in that organization and kind of adjust a few things, um, that's something they certainly don't have to adjust is that pop. 
Yeah, was there ever any kind of swing change or tweak, or was it just more about approach tweaking between the last two years? Yeah, I think more, more approach than, than anything else, and just, just kind of being better at the play discipline-wise. I mean, you could see sometimes where um, they tried to go with a little two-strike approach this past year, which you didn't see in 2021. So the stance would get a little bit wider. He'd try to fight the ball and, and hit it the other way. So I think small just the adjustment things. But I, I guess, you know, this is what, gosh, Major League Baseball, college baseball has turned into. Um, you know, it's, if, if you can hit a three, it's the old Earl Weaver rule, right? You know, hit the three-run homer, and that's all they care about. You go one for four with a three-run jack, and you had yourself a nice day. So I, I think, you know, um, this coaching staff even knew that he had an opportunity to, to run into to a ball once a game, and they would take it. So we'll get back to it with Jeff Cardozo in just a second, talking about the Orioles' selection in this year's draft, Judd Fabian, the outfielder out of Florida. But first, I'm going to tell you about betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all the sports betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. But it's just not about you know laying down a bet. You can go check the score of your favorite team's game. You can listen to podcasts just like this one. You can get sports news, injury news throughout the Major League Baseball season. Of course, MMA, boxing, UFC, and golf every weekend throughout the summer. And it's creeping up. College football and the NFL season coming soon. And you can get all the information over at BetOnline. Net. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at Bet Online, where the game starts. So we're here with Jeff Cardozo, who is part of the Florida Gators radio broadcast in this baseball team that, of course, has been a force in the SEC for years and continues to churn out players like Judd Fabian, who was drafted by the Orioles 67th overall. And Jeff, we've talked a lot uh, about the offense so far, but I think another thing that's never been a question is he has been able to hold his own in the outfield, you know, even when he's been going through some offensive struggles. So I did want to ask, you know, where in terms of outfield position has he played the most and where do you think he profiles best in the outfield at the next level? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I've seen a lot in center field, but I've seen a lot of really good center fielders come through Florida. Gosh, I, I played with one that ended up making the big leagues. I mean, you've had under Sully, um, Buddy Reed, uh, Matt Dendecker, guys that are right there on, and made the big leagues on the verge. And to be honest with you, Judd, the, the way he reads the baseball is, is just so impressive. So there's no doubt in my mind he can be a center fielder. He, I mean, doesn't, he, he's not the quickest guy, but I think the coolest part about watching him is he just the, the jump that he immediately gets. And, you know, to me, judging a, a ball hit right at you on a line drive is probably the hardest one to gauge. And he made four or five plays this year coming in towards second base that I, it was just, it was just amazing to watch. Um, the range is really, really good. You know, obviously being a lefty, you know, you, you can go to, go to his left a little bit better and you got the, the, the glove on that side and, and he gets balls in the gap really, really well. Um, and the arm's good. Um, you know, this is a guy that, that bats right, but throws left. So it's a, it's a little bit unique there, but I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, he can be a center fielder. And to me, I mean, that, that's his best tool in my mind. I mean, way better than hitting or anything else. So um, I think the hitting will come and eventually be good and the average will rise up. But I mean, one thing you never have to question is the way he gets after baseball. And those are guys that you don't see a lot in Major League Baseball, the bat right and throw left guys. And, you know, it, yeah. it's interesting to see, you know, that's not your usual profile, but he's turned that into being a great defender, too. Yeah, really, really good. And I, mean, I think that's, you know, to me, it's an A-plus defender. Um, you know, again, see a lot of guys and guys get to see some of the best of the best in the SEC. And I'd put him right at the very top of each and every one of them. 
So I did want to ask as well, because you're around this team so much, you know, did it feel like there was extra outside pressure on him or pressure maybe he put on himself just because, you know, there was a whole situation and, and us on the outside don't know exactly what went down, but it felt like the Orioles really wanted him at, at the 41st pick last year and maybe had a deal. The Red Sox take him a pick before they don't come to an agreement. Of course, the Orioles are happy because they end up getting him one year later, but was there extra pressure from the outside or that he put on himself just from, you know, turning down essentially being the, the, the 40th pick and then coming back for another year. Sure. Yeah. No, there was really a, a weird situation. I know there maybe were, there was that agreement and then, um, you know, then, the, then the Sox took him around. He just doesn't like Boston. Right. Um, he wanted to play at Camden Yards. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I, I do honestly, I've seen that a couple of times and, and Judd's such a great kid. Um, but I, I do think there was times, especially last year, he put a lot of pressure on himself and, you know, because those expectations were so high and, everybody's talking about him. Everybody thinks he's God's gift to baseball and, you know, all this other stuff. So I, I think mentally it did bother him a little bit and that was part of the struggle. So even when you saw the difference from last year to this year, I, I think he handled that better. Um, you know, this is a kid that certainly is really confident. I think he know what he can do. Um, but when the rest of the team was struggling, the, the Gators really went through a rough patch this year and then turned it on towards the end. And, you know, I think he then tried to push more and try to be, okay, I'm Judd Fabian, I need to be the guy. But then when he just started relaxing and just started playing the game of baseball that he's really, really good at it, it got better. So I, I think there was certainly some of that. And you know, baseball's hard. I mean, you're around it all the time. You see it all the time. And, you know, you, you sit there and you go one for four and, you know, one for three. Gosh, you're probably in the Hall of Fame someday if you do that throughout your career. So um, I think learning that and adjusting to that was a big part of his improvement this year. So we've talked a lot about on the field stuff. Just my last question was, you know, you've been around him with this program and has been a huge part of the skaters program for four years. What is there one thing Orioles fans should know about off the field, Judd Fabian, or just the, the person Judd Fabian as uh, he gets ready to join the Orioles organization? Yeah, he's such a huge family guy. And I think that's, what's really special. You know, his parents are always around. His dad's tremendous. Um, you know, this is a guy from when he was really, really little, just played the game the right way. And, and you'll see that. I mean, always hustling, always getting after it. I don't think I ever saw him not go hard. So I think that's probably the, the neatest part. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that just sort of, you know, half their way through it and, and don't go and, and just don't do it the right way. But you'll never see that from Judd. Just a, a kid that, you know, believes in faith and, you know, really gets after it. So I, I think the Orioles certainly, they, they got a great person, um, a really good ball player that could turn into a great ball player. Yeah, and, and, you know, the O's ended up having to wait one extra year to, to get Judd Fabian into the organization, but uh, they got him. And, and, of course, O's fans, and I'm sure the front office, very excited to have him. But, Jeff, thank you so much once again for joining us and uh, letting Birdland low, know a little bit more about their newest outfielder and Judd Fabian. Yeah, my pleasure. It'll give me an excuse to, uh, to get up to Camden Yard, so I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. So our thanks again to Jeff Cardozo, the radio voice of Florida Gators baseball, for joining us to tell us all about Judd Fabian the Orioles selected 67th overall in the draft on Sunday night. And listen, you know, he's still only 21 years old despite playing four college seasons. Big power in that bat. Great defensive center fielder. This could be an under-the-radar really good pickup by the Orioles because if they can, you know, as Jeff talked about, get those little, you know, approach tweaks continued in the right direction like Fabian did in 2022, he's going to be back to the player that many thought going into the 2021 season could compete for the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. That's how much talent he has in Judd Fabian, so it should be exciting 
to see that. Of course, that'll do it for us here on the pod for the week. I'll be back with you on Monday. We'll have baseball to talk about once again at the major league level, recapping the three-game series between the Orioles and the Yankees. I'll get you my three big takeaways from that weekend series coming up on Monday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.